0: This is the Cosmosphere Podcast, Episode 25, The V2 Rocket, and the V2 Exhibit Reopens at the Cosmosphere. I'm John Molnix. We have a lot of fun episodes planned for 2022, and without any further delay, let's close out 2021 by learning about the V2 Rocket. Before we dive into the talk with Shannon and Maria about the new V2 Gallery, let's take a brief look at the history of the V2 and its revolutionary liquid rocket engine. Cosmosphere CEO, Jim Remar, will discuss that engine here in a bit. Jim's talk is from a video on the V2, which is available on the Cosmosphere's brand new website, launchnext.org. I've spent a bunch of time looking through this new website and there is some incredible content available now, and even more is going to be available in 2022. As always, all of these links will be available in the show notes, So let's get to it.
1: Nazi Germany's prized secret, the deadly V-2 rocket bomb, is assembled by US engineers for testing. Rivaling the atom bomb in importance, the 46 feet of death and destruction is set in place by an ingenious elevating boom at White Sands Proving Ground near Las Cruces, New Mexico. Parts to make up 100 V-2s were brought from Germany, and Proving Ground officers are carrying on experiments involving war and peace uses. In this test, the warhead is replaced by scientific instruments. And a concrete blockhouse with walls 10 feet thick and a roof 27 feet thick houses the control personnel and the firing mechanism. The monster is in place, and here she goes, as shown by the slow motion camera. Climbing 75 miles above the jagged peaks of the Oregon mountains, the great guided missile is directed and the results recorded by radio, radar, photographic and visual equipment. 60 seconds after leaving the ground, the rocket can attain a top speed of 3,000 miles per hour. In this case, the flight was controlled, as viewed through a tracking device. But the future use of rocket power knows no limits
0: the United States and Soviet Union were eager to utilize captured V-2 rockets to spur the development of their respective missile programs after the end of World War II. Before these captured rockets were studied in the United States and Soviet Union, they did take a terrible toll on the populations of Europe during World War II. During the war, Nazi Germany killed an estimated 2,724 people in Britain and over 1,700 people in Antwerp, with V-2 rocket attacks. However, a far grimmer statistic is that many more, as many as 20,000 laborers, many of them slaves, died while building the V-2. The V-2 rocket development cost the Germans over 3 billion dollars at the time, which is roughly twice of what it cost the United States to develop the atomic bomb. V-2 production diverted money, labor, and materiel from other areas of Nazi Germany's war effort, and it's estimated that more than 24,000 additional fighter aircraft could have been built for what it cost to produce the V-2 rockets. Werner von Braun, one of the developers of the V-2 rocket, surrendered to the Americans on May 2, 1945. Von Braun was moved to America and began work for the United States Army, and later NASA. And as they say, the rest is history. Von Braun's work helped America land a man on the moon before the end of the 1960s, meeting President Kennedy's ambitious goal. Sadly, there was a large human toll with the development of the V-2 rocket. The legacy of Von Braun and other German scientists is contested, and I'm sure that future generations will continue to examine that legacy of technical achievement while simultaneously acknowledging the brutality of the Nazi regime. Now, before we talk more about the German V2 Gallery at the Cosmosphere, let's hear from Cosmosphere CEO Jim Riemar about the technical ingenuity of the V2's engine.
2: Behind me is an original World War II era V2 engine. The technology that went into that engine was leading edge for the time. But we need to rewind about 30 years to get an understanding of how that technology was developed. Back in the early 1900s, there was a young scientist, Dr. Robert Goddard, who was developing new principles and theories related to launch vehicles, boosters, and rocketry. It was young Dr. Goddard who began to develop many of the principles and methods that led to today's space race or space age as we know it. As early as 1909, Robert Goddard began developing methods for liquid-fueled rocketry. And by 1914, Goddard had two patents, one on multi-stage rocketry and the other on liquid-field rocketry. Fast forward 30 years, and in the 1930s, German rocket scientists, led by Hermann Oberth and his protege, Werner von Braun, utilized Goddard's studies readily. In fact, they even contacted and communicated regularly with Goddard. By the 1940s, Von Braun and his team of scientists began to work on a rocket that would ultimately lead to the space race or the space age, but was used as a weapon of mass destruction. The V2 engine that you see behind me was leading edge. And in fact, many of the principles utilized in that engine today were utilized in the mighty Saturn V and are used by space companies today. The V2 engine was one of the first rockets to use liquid fuel alcohol and liquid oxygen. Rockets at that time were force-fed. The V2 was turbopump or pump-fed. You can see the turbopump there at the forefront of this image. Because of the pressure and the amount of liquid that needed to be processed or pushed through the engine at a rapid pace, it needed a pump system to be able to adequately do that. Thus the turbopump came into play. It pumped the alcohol and the liquid oxygen through the engine. And this is where the genius of the engine comes into play. Because of the rate of speed and the heat that it burnt at, if the combustion chamber, the thrust chamber, which you see right here, wasn't cooled, the heat would burn through the chamber. And so that turbo pump would pump the alcohol around the chamber, cooling the chamber. Then that alcohol would come up and the turbo pump would then pump both the alcohol and the oxidizer into the thrust chamber. And instead of forcing the fuel into it, it pumped it through injectors. At the top of the thrust chamber are many injectors. And if you were to be able to look up inside the V2, you would see these injectors, tiny holes in each one of these injectors. And that turbo pump would pressurize and push that fuel into the turbo pump or into the thrust chamber, where then the thrust would ignite such a thrust, such a level, that the V2 would lift off going supersonic before it impacted as a weapon of mass destruction. Again, leading edge for its time, forerunner to modern rocketry of the era.
0: The audio you just heard was from one of the many videos that's available on launchnext.org, and we're including links to all of these in the show notes. We're really excited to have this content and more at the Cosmosphere's brand new collection of virtual resources called Launch Next. If you go to launchnext.org and click on Guided Experience in the Quick Links menu, you'll find fascinating short videos where you can learn more about the Cosmosphere's V2 artifact, the development of the V2 engine, and other unique space history topics like the survival gear carried on Project Mercury missions. Something that's even cooler about the Launch Next website is that you can see items that aren't on public display on the website. Go to launchnext.org for these and other amazing space resources.
3: Hey everybody, it's Maria, Cosmosphere's Public Relations and Volunteer Coordinator. I love working here, but before I was an employee, I was a patron-level member. Patron-level membership benefits, are amazing the introductory patron level is called mercury that's the level i join mercury members receive unlimited museum admission invitations to movie premieres on the carrie digital dome camp discounts so these memberships practically pay for themselves Plus they include a Smithsonian affiliate membership with a Smithsonian magazine subscription and the Cosmosphere just added a benefit for all patron members, access to Curiosity Stream, a service with thousands of exclusive educational documentaries. Patron members at higher levels receive more benefits including up to 14 all-access mission passes, free family memberships to give as gifts, facility rental discounts, but really, the top benefit for me is knowing I support a mission I truly believe in. Find out more today about how you can be part of this mission through patron membership at Cosmo.org.
0: So today we've got uh, two guests. Uh, Maria is new here for the Cosmosphere. This is her first time on the podcast. Maria Kelson is the public relations and volunteer coordinator here at the Cosmosphere. That's me. And joining us again is Shannon Wetzel, the curator here at the Cosmosphere. Welcome back.
4: Thank you, John. It's good to be here.
0: Today, we've got some news on the V2 Gallery, and for that, I'm going to let Maria take over and talk to Shannon about the exciting new things there, and some history on the V2. Thanks,
3: John. So it's exciting times at the Cosmosphere because we have three galleries under renovation, and one of them is going to be reopened as the V2 Gallery looking at the graphics right now and mm-hmm. i'm excited to talk to you about them shannon they're gonna be shiny new yes,
4: yes. they're really cool yes it's they're nice really to cool. finally upgrade that exhibit yeah it's the exhibit our
3: oldest was, and it's right it's time it was it's 20, gonna be awesome 20 some years old yeah so the first graphic says launching the space age um so tell us why this gallery the v2 gets its own gallery and its own name and Let's start there. All right.
4: Why is it called the V2 Gallery? Well, Maria, this is traditionally called our German Gallery. Uh, in our older records, it's even called the German Room. Okay. And now we are changing it to the V2 Gallery to really highlight not only one of our coolest artifacts, but also to um, give it its proper place in our story of the space race and particularly America's role in the space race.
3: So. Some poor souls listening may have never been to the Cosmosphere. You will one day. I know you will. Most of our listeners have, but for those of you that haven't, Shannon, you said our coolest artifact.
4: We have our very own V2, right? That's right. It is a real V2. It's been in our collection since the late 80s, yes. restored by our Spaceworks division, a, a very important part of our Cosmosphere team. And our records indicate that it's 60% real. So they really did try to preserve as many actual pieces of it before they had to add to in order to complete it and put it on display.
3: Listeners, this is why I love Shannon. She is a stickler for precision. And if she says <laughs> something is sixty percent real
4: <laughs> That's right. We want you to know it's sixty percent real.
3: You can I bet. don't know what sixty percent, but sixty percent. But that's right. Yeah, so it is an authentic artifact and it has been restored by our Spaceworks division and in the reopened gallery visitors can come and get a up close look at this amazing rocket this mm-hmm. V2 but you mentioned Shannon that it was in uh, in the old gallery was called the German gallery and mm. that's because we have german engineering a german origin for the mm-hmm. V2 so tell us about that
4: yeah so our story really begins in the 1930s with the uh, the explosion of this idea that everyone loves rockets going to the moon, uh, the explosion in these small groups that were working on rocket technology. And our story in particular tells the story of Werner von Braun, his rocket team, their partnership with the German army and the Nazi party, and how this led to the V2 rocket, which eventually led to our space program.
3: It leads to our space program and the, um, you know, I'm looking at this first graphic and it says just 12 years after London and other European cities were devastated by German rockets, the same technology was used for the peaceful exploration of space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have the V-2 and here's this piece of technology that can do things, no rocket before it could, it can reach the edge of space eventually mm-hmm. as it gets re-engineered and improved.
4: Mm-hmm. Our first view of space came from the V 2 rocket okay, later on in the story when it was launched at White Sands. It's so, launching our instruments to observe mm-hmm. space. And it's a pretty grainy photo. Not very <laughs> impressive today, but at the time, I'm sure it was completely amazing. Yeah. You could see the curvature of the Earth. and.
3: Right. Yeah,
4: Google it. Google, it, you can Google see
3: it. it, dear listeners, and then come to the Cosmos Theatre and see the Reopen gallery. Which, by the way, we are scheduled to reopen around Christmas time, twenty twenty one. So we're hopeful that we're on track for that. Um, so Shannon, you know, you've spent some time with this artifact. You're our mm-hmm. curator. You have spent some time with this artifact. What impresses you about it when you're in its presence?
4: Well, lots of things. I mean, the fact that it's real. Yeah. 60% it's 60% real. Ner- I mean, it's, it's you can true stand there and feel the history if, yes. you're, if you're nerdy enough like me.
3: I love that expression, <laughs> feel the history. <laughs> I love history. that you said that. off of it. Shannon tries to be this you're very, you know, like, buttoned-up, straight-laced professional, but <laughs> you feel, feel the it. history you is like, I love it. it. It's this gushy-feely yeah. sentiment, Ooh. and it's so true. <laughs> and
4: another cool thing about it is uh, it is a cutaway, which I love a cutaway because I have a history degree. I'm not an
3: engineer in any way. Okay, I'm going to stop you. You're speaking museum speak. So what do you mean it's a cutaway?
4: It's actually, I think, I don't even know if that's technically museum speak, but a cutaway is when you can literally, it's like it's cut open and you can see the guts. Yeah. So on the, on the, um, you know, on the one end, you can see where the engine fit into Uh it. And then I believe we're we're keeping the graphic where it shows you the different parts of the rocket. So you see the real rocket, and then you see on the graphic all the different parts to it, the guidance and navigation part. But then, yeah, you can look up and you can see where the engine was. It's that cutaway area of it. And I like it because I'm not an engineer. I don't know. I don't want to say I don't know where the engine was, but I have a general idea to actually be able to look into the rocket and see
3: it. Well, you're right. I too, am not an engineer, nor do I play one on TV. (laughs) So that, that cutaway view, it does, it gives you the, the, like the lay viewer a feeling of expertise. Like Mm -hmm. now I really understand a little more Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. what made this so amazing. And you're right. The guidance system will be on display and it's part of what made it, Mm -hmm. um, different from what had come before
4: and another cool thing about ours is that during the restoration process they actually found inspection documents inside of it authentic and those are on display too, copies of them, we keep the real ones in the archives but so you can actually see what the Germans were doing with their rockets and, and the inspection process I believe they're dated, oh I don't want to guess, 44, 1944, so up into you know kind of getting to the end of the war they were still concerned with making sure each part was
3: going to work properly and and the fact that these were found inside yeah so it shows that it was you know destined it get, kind of gives me shivers it yeah. was destined for yeah, des- death mean, and destruction it was ready to go it had come off the assembly line mm-hmm. It had been prepping inspected. it for flight I mean right yeah right yeah that really gives you shivers and you know, the the idea of trying to square that origin with it, with our enthusiasm for the peaceful exploration of space and our enthusiasm for rocketry today is, in a way, it's like an unresolvable paradox. Yeah, it
4: really is. It's it's an important part of the story, which I'm glad that we start there and we tell that part of it. Because it is. It it had, a, it was a weapon of war. and right. It was meant to be. A I powerful mean, weapon. Yeah, there wasn't. Right any other plans for it at the time, necessarily, at least not by the German army. So, yeah, it's an important part of the story.
3: And then I think that gallery takes visitors out with the story of von Braun coming to the U.S., is that right? Mm -hmm. So he comes to the U.S., and um, then we have access to his technology, a good bit Mm -hmm. of his engineering team, um, and that leads into the story of the U.S. space program, Mm -hmm. which visitors can go into the other renovated galleries right to right see that as well
4: right I mean we have a redstone on display a redstone missile which was the first ICBM and I mean that's really just the v2's cousin okay it's yeah it uses the way yeah America was... took that technology and okay built on it
3: well Shannon thank you for the chance to talk about oh yeah like you said one of our coolest artifacts a real V two rocket so impressive to see in person and so important historically. Thank you so much, Shannon. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you, John, for doing
4: this. We appreciate it. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. We're glad to to see you.
0: I'm glad to be back. It's (laughs) been a little bit tricky getting out the past uh, last year. Yeah, it has. Good
4: to see you in person.
5: (laughs) Hi, it's Joanna Strucker, Education Director at the Cosmosphere. I supervise the best space and STEM camps on the planet, Cosmosphere Camps, Registration is open for summer 2022 with camps for space and STEM loving kids in the 3rd through 12th grade. I personally am so excited that we've added coding to the 21st century skills campers learn. That's on top of their other amazing experiences. Fly missions to the moon and Mars in our Astralis simulator, scuba training for space travel, staying overnight 650 feet below ground to prep for Martian settlement, Cosmosir is the best place for the Mars generation to get pumped and prepared for their futures. Here they do robotics, programming, and they get those crucial soft skills, teamwork, leadership, but maybe the most life-changing thing about Cosmosir Camp, that kids and teens find their people. They make these lifelong bonds. Then, when they graduate and become camp alumni, the network they joined is powerful. We have camp alumni who are Harvard grads, aerospace engineers, employees at NASA, SpaceX, the list goes on. Let the kids in your life engineer a great summer at Cosmosphere Camps. Registration is now open. Scholarships are available. Find out more today at Cosmocamps.org.
0: So that was really fun to have Shannon back on the podcast. It's been uh, a minute as we were talking about there. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And she, I'm, I know she loves talking with us, too. And, you know, you've been coming to the Cosmos since you were a wee lad.
0: Oh, gosh. I, I'm going <laughs> to date myself, but, yeah. I, 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 I had lots of early 90s little kid t-shirts when I visited here for the first time. So.
3: so not only has Shannon spent lots of time around our artifacts, but you have too. So listening to her talk about this artifact in particular, the V2, what stands out for you or what do you feel like you react to?
0: Well, you know, this is one of those things going back down there to just see the construction real quick. It reminded me of the my favorite part of the cutaway is the, you can see the injectors. where the oxygen and the fuel would mix together and then go out the back end. That's what makes the rocket go. Um, I always thought that was a cool part, seeing that as a little kid, and then just growing up, learning more about the history behind everything. It's just, it's a very awe-inspiring, and it's one of those artifacts that really makes you feel that history and kind of get the gravity of what those you know what those machines were in that part of history and what the role they played going into the cold war and there's just so many consequential things that happened there um so it's really cool
3: i'm glad that you pointed out the way you reacted to it as a kid is different than you react to it as an adult as a kid you like seeing how it worked and it kind of inspires that sense of innovation and as an adult you can contemplate the the history more fully
0: and we have that ability to look back, and that's why it's important to have this type of exhibit. Is you can you appreciate it in different ways at different times. I'll
3: tell you so. what I loved about what she said: the canister with the inspection documents. Yes, yes. A complete surprise. There, SpaceWorks is renovating it, and all of a sudden they come on this canister they hadn't. They weren't expecting, <laughs> they didn't know they it, were going to come on this?
0: It's pretty incredible what Spaceworks finds. I know Jack was talking about a few years ago when the Moker consoles were being restored, finding matchbooks or wow. popsicle sticks wow. to complete a circuit, a popsicle stick shoved under a switch just to make sure the, the circuit goes. <laughs> it, when, when they're able to get in, you know, get inside the artifact there to make sure it's renovated, just finding those little pieces of history that are left over, like the story that's behind that. It, it, it's just, it's a it's something you don't get unless you can get inside that artifact and restore it for future generations to enjoy. So I'm glad they were able to preserve that as well.
3: You know, with the Cosmosphere's mission being honoring the history of space exploration, that's where the history of space exploration we see is is full of just human stories and human moments. That's what our artifacts give us. You know, here's a popsicle stick used to, yeah. to MacGyver, you know, something. And, and here's an inspection document showing that, you know, real people were working on this and real people were looking at it. In fact, with the V2, part of the gallery story is that most of the people in the assembly process were slave laborers yeah. in Nazi labor camps. And... It's that human side of the story rather than just looking at this giant, you know, this giant piece of technology. You get that human side when mm-hmm. you're when you're experiencing the exhibit, when you're looking at the surprises that the restoration, renovation process gave us. Well, I'm just glad we got to talk to Shannon.
0: Definitely. And- it is, it, you know, and on the human side of that, too, I, I don't remember the exact figures, but like the fact that more people died building the V2. That's right. than were actually killed by it in war. It it speaks to like the the human tragedy too. Right. And I think the exhibit really does a a good job of showing that that important part of history as well and
3: That's true. we can
0: learn from that and appreciate it. So
3: It talks about the tunnels. The exhibit talks about the tunnels that the Dora labor camp prisoners were building because Uh, Hitler and the German army thought they would have these vast tunnel factories that wouldn't get discovered and wouldn't get bombed but the conditions for building these tunnels were so horrible I think that's where a good bit of the deaths came from was the the tunnel construction process to get in to get this factory built and you're right you know the human cost of having come that far with the technology also would be invisible if we didn't have opportunities Mm -hmm. to learn about it
0: And that's why I'm I'm glad all of that the the history, we're we're able to appreciate that now, and it allows everybody the the time to reflect on it in their own way. That's right. That's right. It's definitely worth checking out next time you're at the Cosmosphere. Just you know, contemplating all of that. When you look at the B2. Yeah,
3: when you use words like reflect and contemplate, I want our listeners to think about other museums they've been into in addition to the Cosmosphere, but th- that's something that we can really treasure about a museum experience is it's your own. You, you can get in your own headspace and do your own reflection and contemplation. There's not a moving walkway like at the <laughs> airport or, you know, there's not a set... Um way that's dictated for you to to move through space. you get to go at your own pace, you get to think your own thoughts. So I'm glad you use those kind of words reflect and contemplate because that's really that's what's called for with sort of the gravity of these types of yeah. um, stories that we that we have to tell.
0: Well, I'm glad the the renovation process for here, you know, updating all of the graphics and updating the gallery for the V2 gallery, it's really going to be, exciting for future generations because more people are going to be able to do that so i'm I'm definitely looking forward to getting back in december and seeing the completed v2 gallery
3: that's right listeners cosmosphere expects that our latest gallery renovations will be done in december so we do hope to welcome as many of you back as we can to check out the renovated v2 gallery and our other (laughs) renovated gallery will be our mercury redstone kennedy gallery so we're excited for both of those to reopen
0: well until uh next time that's all we've got for you in this episode um we've got some exciting things coming up in january that's right um the la- well in december here the launch of the james Webb space telescope and in january maria is going to tell us a little bit more about a special event that will be focusing on jwst and maria why don't you let us know a little bit more about that event
3: Glad to. We have a speaker series called Coffee at the Cosmo. And Coffee at the Cosmo is going to go back to every other month in 2022. So that's an exciting announcement. I'm just springing it on you right now, John. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. And our first one for our 2022 Coffee at the Cosmos series is on James Webb uh, Space Telescope and what we can learn from it about black holes. So it's called The Mysteries and Marvels of Black Holes. January 20th at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can join us in person or virtually.
0: That sounds... uh, I'm I'm really excited for the launch of JWST. December
3: 18th. Yeah.
0: It's... It's gonna be knock on wood, fingers crossed, everything. Um, Launch goes off without a hitch, and then we literally have a we're gonna have a telescope that's going to peer back millions of years. That's right, further back back in time. Yeah, (laughs)
3: further back in time than any other space telescope could see.
0: It's I'm excited. been waiting for the launch of jwst for a long time yes it's finally here finally
3: here <laughs> it's finally here we hope we hope we're not cursing anything uh, we no. would knock it's on wood it's gonna but it... be
0: good <laughs> by the time you listen to this jwst is already going to be in space Think and, positive. Around, and yeah exactly it's everything's going to be good so I love it well perfect until next time maria
3: thanks, thanks for listeners. coming on <laughs> thank you john
0: thank you Thank you all for joining us for the last episode of the Cosmosphere Podcast in 2021. We'll be back in 2022 with some awesome episodes. We know you're gonna have a fun time listening to those. As always, we'd love it if you could leave a review in Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. Reviews help more people find out about the podcast, and we also love hearing from you. If you have any ideas for an episode, be sure to tweet at us or mention us in a comment on Facebook. We'd love to explore other topics that you would have in mind. For everyone here at the Cosmosphere, have a happy holidays, stay safe, and we'll see you in 2022.